Welcome to another edition of Inside the Athlete's Mind. My name is David Strugel. I'm a professor of communication at Hiram College and also the director for the Center for Integrated Entrepreneurship. Joined, as always, with uh, Andrew White, professor of psychology and the coordinator of the sport management program here at Hiram College. Andrew, hey, we're back in the uh, studio, we man. We're in the studio. Hey, it's awesome, isn't it? You bet. Feels Ma- good. Masked up, six feet apart, and in the studio. Yeah, you've got the Hiram College mask. I'm sporting the L.A. Lakers gear, so I'm proud <laughs> of my boys from L.A. They're taking care of some business. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. So before we move on, I want to address a little bit about uh, my role as the Entrepreneurship Center Director. I've got a big event planning for October 1st, and uh, I'll be posting some stuff on social media. Some stuff will come out from Hiram College News. Uh, October 1st, which is a Thursday from 6 to 8.30, I will have our first Entrepreneurship Speaker Series event from 6 to about 6.45. Gwen Rosenberg, she started up her own business, a gourmet popcorn business called Popped in Ravenna. She will speak about how she got her business going. Then from 7 to 8.30, I will have Nick Colosi, good friend of Mike Rebold, who started his own company called Smart Tools and one of his biggest uh, clients is LeBron James. That's always nice. Uh, Edie Benner, who is the co-founder of a rehabilitation facility in Manaway. She will also speak. And Vicki Dugan, who is a lifestyle fitness coach. So from 7 to 8.30 on Thursday, October 1st, uh, those folks will speak via Zoom. Look forward uh, to a Wufu form to be appearing near you soon on a computer. All you have to do is sign up, enter your email, and it's totally free of charge. And I have We'll be arranging to have some free popcorn given away at some point in the night. So uh, let your friends and family know. For sure. Jump on that. All right. So going back a couple weeks, two weeks ago, we had mentioned about um, a couple things. Colin Kaepernick, it was four years of the anniversary he took a knee. That day also happened to be Jackie Robinson Day. Mm -hmm. And uh, sadly, that day, Chadwick Boseman had passed away from colon cancer. And he famously played Jackie in the movie 42. And... A lot of people didn't even know he had been diagnosed with colon cancer, and he acted in like five or six movies, including a couple of Avengers movies. Yep. And some of the things, his quotes, um, at the 2018 MTV, MTV Movie Awards, he said, receiving an award for playing a superhero is amazing, but it's even greater to acknowledge the heroes that we have in real life. So a lot of people looking up to Chadwick Boseman as a real-life superhero. And Andrew, uh, the quote he said at the Howard University graduation 2018 go go ahead I'll, i'll let you take that one sure so whatever you choose for a career path remember the struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose as you commence on your path press on with pride and press on with purpose yeah and again another great quote and the tributes that i saw on social media to chadwick the black panther awesome and uh really took the role of jackie robinson very seriously and one of the better sports movies I've seen recently. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Uh, we're recording on September 11th. Um, of course, on this day, our country was attacked in New York City and D.C. A plane crashed in Pennsylvania. About 3,000 were killed. At that time, sports were used as a way for a country to come together. President Bush threw out the first pitch at a ball game. It took a little while for us to get back to normal, and people uh, started to go back to football games, college football games, what have you. And again, just another example of how Bridges or sports is used as a bridge or some kind of a bonding element for society to come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and I think we're seeing that right now as well, as well as some issues, uh, if, as we've talked about in past shows with um, 
building bridges. And I think Absolutely. last night I saw that on the NFL, the game between the Texans and the Chiefs. They did a moment of unity where both teams locked hands uh, on the field before the game to booze. So not sure what. Yeah. So, I mean, that's great. Like Even to booze, they're still doing it. So it, it's bigger than the game, and they're staying true to the purpose there. And it's cross-sport, too, which is great. It's not just one sport trying to take a stand here. It's very widespread. Indeed. So one of the people I'm most proud of, always wearing my Lakers gear, <laughs> LeBron James. Lakers are doing very well right now in the playoffs. Had a little bit of a rough game, and they lost game one against Houston, but they're back, and they're rolling. 3-1. Yeah. So LeBron James, uh, now the all-time uh, playoff wins record holder, but interesting that asked how he is able to maintain his form on the court at the age of 35, he told reporters, I'm not going to tell you exactly what I do because I would give, be giving my opponents a lot of my ingredients. But let's just say my wife is not enjoying what I do on a day-to-day -day basis inside the bubble getting ready for a game. Let's just say that I spend a lot of time, a lot of time on my body. And the thing i got to ask you, Andrew, being that you deal with sports performance and that and deal a lot with athletes, how hard is it for athletes to compartmentalize and maybe flip the switch as they walk off the court and say, all right, time for the home life. Yeah, uh, very hard. Uh, especially this year, I could see a lot of challenges with that. Uh, for months, NBA players especially were at home, so they didn't really have workout facilities to use, so they were trying to train while at home, while a lot of us were also working at home. It, it's really hard to have those barriers when it's all at home. When they get back to some semblance of normality where they do have a practice facility and an actual competition facility. I know the NBA's got the bubbles. So it's a little different here, but compartmentalizing is tough. Some of them are better than others, but you can see that on the court sometimes where performance just really seems to fall down when they're going through something incredibly stressful outside of sport. Like I said, some are better than others in that compartmentalizing side of it. Uh, mental skills training can help with that. Uh, but also just finding a way to take care of those stressors outside of the game could help with that. You know, and we've seen examples of this, especially in football more notably. I think it was Brett Favre who I think lost his dad or something mm. that came right to the field to play Monday Night Football. Yep. Uh, Joe Montana, I think this happened to as well. More recently, I'm sorry, I have to mention my Miami Dolphins again, but <laughs> about a week ago, Dolphins were going to have a, a preseason scrimmage of some sort or walkthrough with Buffalo or something. And Ryan Fitzpatrick had just walked off the practice field. Yep. And the Twitter was kind of cryptic. It was kind of like, Fitz has walked off the field. What's going on here? And it was like, is he retiring finally or whatever? <laughs> then the further details came out. Well, Coach Flores had his arm around Fitzpatrick and what's going on there. And uh, then about an hour later, was his mom passed away. And so then the questions were, well, he's questionable for week one already. And then a couple days later, he showed up back to practice showed up back at practice and so Fitz was able to I guess compartmentalize and said hey this is where I need to be this I love this team I love the opportunity to get out and play yeah yeah and some of that compartmentalizing actually comes down to what's your coping style and some people prefer that almost emotion focused coping where you use the sport as a way to either take your mind off of the loss or you dedicate your your play and just your entire season or your career to that person, and that gives you a better purpose for the game. All right, let's move on to another uh, NBA-related story uh, with Doris Burke, and there's some history involving females and the NBA. Of course, the NBA being in the bubble, as we have talked about, Doris Burke is going to make the move to call the finals. Uh, the historic move uh, 
Doris Burke and Rachel Nichols will actually have a huge hand in calling the NBA playoffs. Uh, the longtime ESPN analyst will call the conference in the NBA finals on ESPN radio. She will be the first woman to ever do so on either network TV or radio broadcast, according to the AP. So NBA, I think, is one of the more progressive sports leagues out there. I mean, they're around the world globally, but again, making mm -hmm. strides in terms of women. And I think I, this is not going out on much of a limb, but I'll bet someone's going to hire a female head coach at some point soon. Yeah, I mean, the, the soon there is key. Like, what, how soon is that? But we have several women who are serving in incredible roles as assistant coaches and doing a great job there. So hopefully we'll, we'll get that uh, representation. All right, shifting gears and moving on to the NFL. Miles Garrett, we already got the NFL season underway. Last season, the Browns and Steelers played a game in which the Browns actually beat the Steelers. A lot of times that's newsworthy in itself. <laughs> Uh, the Browns beat the Steelers 21-7, to and not many people actually remember that game or the scoring or whatever, but they talk about the final minute of that ball game in which uh, Miles Garrett got into a little pressure on uh, – on uh, who am I – oh, uh, Miles Garrett got pressure on Mason Rudolph yep. and then got into a fight in which uh, Miles Garrett ripped the helmet off, took a swing at uh, Mason Rudolph, and all heck broke loose from that point on. And, of course, that led to Miles Garrett being a indefinitely suspended. He's been reinstated. But now Miles Garrett says he wants a face-to-face -face with uh, Mason Rudolph to clear the air. And he said, quote, I just don't want any grudges. I don't have any grudge against him. I don't have any ill intent, intent against him. It's not like I'd have anything against him if I saw him in public or if I saw him in a game and we were suited up. I just play him like I play anybody else. If I saw him in public, I would fist bump him to walk away just like if I saw anybody else on the street that I didn't know personally. I don't have a problem with that. Other than that night, before that play and after the play, I don't think we spoke two words to each other. And he went on to say, and our fates are intertwined forever. And so I don't think we should leave it off like that. In my, it is my opinion. I feel like we should clear the air so there's no problems and there's no bad blood. Between our teams and our fans of the rivalry, I feel like we'll live off of it. But between the players, I feel like it should always be competitive, but never go over the line. Of course, there's a lot of subtext to that because Miles accused Mason Rudolph of using a racial slur, which has not been corroborated in any sort of way. Just, I guess, another weird side story to this whole episode. And um, yeah. people who are familiar with the Pittsburgh-Cleveland Browns rivalry, mm -hmm. I'm not sure how they would take this kind of like a uh, offering of an olive branch. I, I just don't see people buying into this thing. Miles, what are you doing? Yeah, and I mean, if this was something that happened in a middle school practice, like, all right, it, it's a one-on-one, -on -one, it's just a, it's a relationship problem that you might be able to figure out. But as a professional athlete, you know everything is public, and it happened in a televised game. So, it, I mean, he can try to mend that fence with Rudolph, but they're always going to be tied together because of this, and that's just the reality of it. So... He, he also said he had thought about quitting football because of this one incident, and I'm, I'm kind of shocked. I mean, I hear coaches talk about this a lot of time. Move on to the next play. Mm -hmm. Get it out of your mind. Move on. Be in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really – speak to maybe the psychology or what – how that's lingering still up there as he's preparing to play another season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, 
it seems to be weighing on him, and I would think that that could become a distraction for him during games. Uh, clearly, something was distracting him in that game. It was out of, like, the game was over, and something led to this, so he was already not really being present-focused. The problem with that is, if you're thinking about things that have happened in the past, or if he's already thinking about the Steelers games, that's not going to serve him in the moment. So he's not focusing on what the task at hand is, which could get in the way of performance. I always wonder about that, things that happened in your past. I mean, I can think of things that happened in my teaching career. I tell stories about things in my broadcasting career that I pass on to students. Mm -hmm. And like you said, always think about being in the moment or being present. So just, I, I'm just really surprised for this high level of an elite athlete to still experience this kind of phenomenon. Right. And it kind of brought to the question I was thinking of, Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph, intertwined forever. What other situations has happened in sports history? And I had a list, a very short list of three. Mm -hmm. Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield, of course, when Tyson bit off Holyfield's ear. Uh, we could talk that about that one before I move on to my other two, but I'm not sure that that's ever been resolved or if they've mended fences. But, again, moment down in infamy in terms of two athletes. Yeah. Uh, geez, other athletes with that combative or violent of uh, connection, I, off the top of my head, I'm not sure. But there are countless numbers of rivalries that have just kind of been intertwined forever. Even like Billie Jean King, Bobby Riggs, it's not like they competed all the time, but those two names are tied. You, you know, the thing with the Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph situation, as well as Tyson Holyfield, the heat of the moment. And I hear that talked about a lot on sports talk shows, the heat of the moment. Mm -hmm. How hard is it for athletes and maybe just us and humans to uh, kind of have the internal, like, warning light to say, okay, things are about to get out of control here. Yeah. <laughs> Simmer down. <laughs> be in the moment. I mean, when you when I watch the Holyfield-Tyson thing, it's like, mm -hmm. what the heck was going on there? The, yeah. the, when you watch those few seconds of the Brown-Steelers game, it's like, at what point? do you kind of that, that point of losing control mm -hmm. and I'm not sure what studies have been done on it but there's got to be some kind of phenomenon there where athletes just kind of like whoa okay we're going to keep going with this or where, where's the resolution to that you know yeah and there's some personality differences in there too it, someone may have a shorter fuse than someone else and it may be easier for them to just almost uh, disengage morally for that little bit of time and you really hope that after the fact they try to engage with the moral side of that and be like, oh, God, I screwed up, and they don't try to explain it away. Two other, uh, let's go to my other example of uh, two intertwined forever, Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. Uh -huh. Of course, Tanya Harding hired a hitman or thug, however you want to put it, and took a some kind of a tire iron or something to Nancy Kerrigan after she came off uh, skating practice at Cobo Hall in Detroit. And uh, those two are linked forever. Yep, and certainly a little less of a heat of the moment, kind of a, it feels like a cold calculated thing there. But yeah, connected yeah. forever. Yeah, and my last case that I had listed, Ben Johnson and Carl Lewis. While not, and this is an interesting thing I think I bring up because one, it's an individualized sport. Mm -hmm. uh, two were competing against each other in the Olympics in which they were both favored to place very well in the 88 Olympics. Uh, Carl Lewis had been training for his life and, of course, uh, competed in several events. Ben Johnson, uh, when you watch any of the ESPN documentaries about this, uh, had the build of a horse. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can remember doing a report on steroids in high school, and I, I saw this. I'm like, when you looked at, like, the striations in his muscle, yeah. I thought, 
this is not natural. Yeah, and if you watch some replays of that finals, uh, the 100 meter, a lot of those guys looked like it too. Yeah, but it, not not to that level. Correct. Yeah, and and I don't, and I, I think the last time when I saw something of Carl Lewis, he still mm-hmm. is bitter. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I mean, rightfully so, because I mean, Olympics are every few years, and you train your whole life up to this point. And here's a guy who takes every possible shortcut in the book, and he runs away with the 100-meter dash or what have you. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't blame Carl Lewis. Yeah, not at all. Um, yeah, so that wraps up this edition of Inside the Athlete's Mind. If you want to have or at least <laughs> give us something to talk about, always tweet at us. Love to hear what you think might be another couple that's been intertwined in history. Andrew, Yeah. great to be back in the studio. Good to see you, and uh, good luck. Yeah, thank you. You too. Hey, anyone, send us some questions. We could do a mailbag episode someday. Oh, so. I love it. Yeah, I'm at Doc Struk on Twitter, so just hit me up and we'll we'll discuss things. All right, everyone have a good time, and we'll see you in two weeks.